0: Let's record. I'm recording now.
1: <laughs> like how you just always very like subtly and coolly hit that record button, you know? Just
0: I, like, well, you know.
1: We're just sliding into the record
0: right now. Hey, everybody. What's up? You're listening to the Gatecrasher podcast. I am Kenny, he, him.
1: And I am David, he, him. And today we are going to be talking about what I like to call lonely fun (laughs) with an emphasis on I know with an (laughs) emphasis on solo role-playing experiences but I think for myself at least I'm going to touch on a few other solo gaming options that are for tabletop gaming of all kinds.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I actually I've also done talking about solo gaming like role-playing games I've been doing we'll get into that we'll get into that but it's not just going to be role-playing it's going to be wargaming for me as well and I'm sure you probably have some experiences as well great but before we do that let's do a quick games played Oh, by the way, the Gatecrasher podcast. What is it? This is the podcast where we're ushering you into the world of tabletop gaming. So if you are new to tabletop gaming or if you're an old pro, hopefully you're learning something by listening to this or you get interested into something that maybe you hadn't had interest in before. You get some new ideas, new inspirations, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I can't think of a better way to get into one of the aspects of the tabletop gaming hobby than through lonely fun.
0: Absolutely. So
1: we'll Absolutely. Definitely be talking about that at greater yeah. length in time. But yes, games played, first of all.
0: Games played. David, would you like to go first?
1: Certainly. So for myself, it's more of the same. More of the same, which is not a bad thing at all, actually. It's, it's Monster Hearts and Pendragon, which you can't ask for more, honestly. <laughs> Than that. <laughs> than that fine experience. And also, I seem to be threatening to break out of the painting slump that I've been in for hey. the past few weeks. That I feel like a lot of people have been in for mm-hmm. a while, recently. I know, it. at least in I my circles. Yeah. yeah, anecdotally. Feels like everyone I see is like, yeah, I just haven't really been able to paint recently. And understandably so. But yeah, no, I finally got some vehicles painted up from a Gene Steeler Colt army for Warhammer 40,000 that had been just sitting there mocking me for like two months, so <laughs> <laughs> I finally just did it. I actually went to a friend's house because she and my wife, Desiree, were doing like a watercolor painting workshop mm. over Zoom. So I was just like, I'll bring my miniatures and I'll paint too, you know, and that actually really <laughs> helped. Because painting awesome. parties are fun. Yeah. Painting yeah. parties are great, even if you're not painting the same things or even the same media. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. Really happy with how those turned out, and that means I only have like, I think two or three more like single figures to paint, and then my jeans dealer Cult army will be done.
0: Damn, that's huge! How many points is your Gene Stealer Cult army?
1: Well, it's hard to say because we haven't talked about Grimdark Future and mm. one page rules, and I think we'll do that specifically in a in an episode in the future. But just really briefly, that's a free set of rules that is sort of what would you call a kind of a more figure agnostic take on the Games Workshop <laughs> universe of games, right? They have equivalents for Warhammer 40,000, Age of Sigmar, mm-hmm. Epic 40k, all of those. And so I'm mostly oriented towards it in a grimdark Future list. And I think in that context, it's a 1500 point list. I don't know if that's an equivalent to. 40K, if that would also be 1,500 Mm. points, but suffice to say it's a healthy chunk without it being too much, you know, (laughs) good. it's that sweet spot where it's a little bit more than just like a handful of figures, but also enough for it to look cool on the table without it's like crowding the table, you know?
0: Right. Right. The the sweet spot. Like you said, right where you want to be. Yeah. 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 How about yourself? Uh, well, I've also been doing a little bit of painting, sadly. Sadly, I'm not painting anything of mine. I'm painting for a friend. He builds my models and I paint his. So I've been painting a bunch of Caradron overlords for Age of Sigmar that are that belong to my buddy Todd, and he's holding 20 Direwolves hostage until I get some of these done. So that's what I've been doing on the wargaming front. And then on the role-playing front, of course we've been doing Monster Hearts every week, which is a lot of fun. And I've been doing my solo, the one ring stuff, man. Segway, magical chimes.
1: (laughs) Cue the sound effects.
0: (laughs) I use the same sound effects all the time. Let me know if you guys want some new ones. I don't know what else to do. (laughs) I think it's good. It's
1: like you you get used to what the Segway noises are and that tells you like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're just Mm. prattling on about their stupid (laughs) Quixotean quests. I know.
0: (laughs) done jabbering about mythos.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could go off on a whole side tangent about Fantasy Warriors, but I won't.
0: Oh, we're saving that (laughs) for a special episode. We're talking about our solo role-playing game experiences today, and because David has a his brain works better than mine. I'm going to have David start this off about how we get, you know, I'm always the guy that's like, how do we get started in this, David? So how do we get started talking about solo gaming? We're not even going to say solo role playing, solo gaming, lonely fun. How do we do it?
1: Well, there's so many ways. So yeah, and I think this is something that over the last couple of years in particular, people have been looking into more, you know, obviously, especially back in 2020, pre, pre-vaccine lockdowns and whatnot, folks were looking for ways to, to pass the time when they were stuck at home or whatever. And so I think it, it brought a lot in a lot of these options into, into greater prominence, options that had existed already but we're maybe looked down upon a little bit just because it was sort of like, Mm -hmm. hey, what's wrong with you? You can't find people to game with. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think that's sort of the the disclaimer I would put right at the top here, which is that if you are solo gaming, there really shouldn't be any value judgment attached to that. Um, Mm -hmm. We all have different reasons for that. First of all, like you might have a regular gaming group that you meet with, but maybe they're not interested in this game that you're interested in, for example, right? or you want to teach yourself the game before you bring it to your group. Mm-hmm. This is a great way to do it. Or it's just something you like to do in your downtime, or you can't find a group. And there's nothing wrong with that because, yeah, yeah before I get into like how you get into it, I would just say that that was me when I first got into the hobby. And I think I touched on this a little bit in our first episode or episode zero But when I first got into the hobby, due to a combination of different factors, I had the damnedest time finding other people to game with. And this was Mm. because it was the early 90s and the tabletop gaming industry was kind of at a low ebb. This was because we moved right after I got into the hobby, so I had to go out and make a whole new set of friends. This was because there was just a weird statistical anomaly in my local neighborhood and the school I went to where there just weren't a lot of gamers all these different things sort of co- combining meant that I had a really tough time finding folks to play with and so for a good 2 or 3 years which when you're a young adolescent is forever I was basically it was just basically me myself and I and my hobby was really like purchasing gaming products right. that was my participation in the hobby right
0: which um, is which, which is totally valid with totally yeah valid. yeah
1: yeah, we talked about that. I mean, that that is a mm-hmm. form of hobby participation for sure. And I also very much wanted to actually game. So like, for example, I, I um, came up with my own version of like a, a sort of dungeon die where it's like I would roll a DC. I actually drew little icons on a piece of graph paper and cut them out and taped them onto a six sided dice or die. Oh, yes. You know, so it'd be like tunnel, <laughs> junction, room, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So that I could generate a dungeon as I went across the sheet of graph paper with my character.
0: Dude, ahead of your time. <laughs> uh, way ahead of your time.
1: <laughs> I mean, there there's a random dungeon generator in the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide, but I didn't have that at the time.
0: Oh. Sadly.
1: So, yeah, I would do stuff like that. I made tons of characters, which was fun. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah. I still have a I still have a shoebox full of a lot of them actually yes. to hold on to. Yeah. And yeah, I just I, I would obviously I would paint miniatures, so I was doing a lot of miniatures painting. That's how I learned that that craft, that part of the hobby. But I can't remember if I ever actually tried to play against myself or not. I don't think I did. Tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do, and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go on to this episode. But anyway, saying all that to say that it's that kind of stuff, that kind of lonely fun that sustained me as I was getting increasingly despondent about ever finding anyone to participate in this like hobby with me. I was just like, Jesus, is there anybody out there? That, that's my backstory, like my relationship to solo gaming. And of course, I talked before about the Lone Wolf books as well, and how those introduced me to adventure gaming, if you will. And so it taught me the basics of what a role-playing game is and how it works and all that sort of stuff in a very simplified form. And also the DD basic box set that was around at the time had a tutorial, like a solo adventure tutorial in it. Mm. And I, to this day, remain a big fan of those. It was Game book style things like, for example, the Pendragon starter set will have a solo tutorial
0: in it. Um, oh, yeah, which was kind like of like I mean, right? we oh, I'm excited to read it um, and play it. And mm-hmm. um, there, we just talked in our Call of Cthulhu episode about how it has the solo introductory book as well, right?
1: It does, and there are other solo Call of Cthulhu adventures as well. So, there's like Alone against the frost, for example, is another
0: one mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Alone, I think it's like frost, flame, dark, Play-off. Oh, Alone That's Against right. the Tide. Alone against the tide. The tide.
1: That was it. Yeah, yeah. So saying all that to say that in order to so first of all, it's the question is what kind of solo gaming do you want to do? Is it a role-playing game? Is it a miniatures war game? Is it a board war game? You know. Mm. And there are different options for all of those, but we'll talk about role-playing games. First and foremost, I think. And and so for those, now those would be, I think, the least logical, right? You would think like, oh yeah, I could see how you could design a game that you could be playing against yourself if it's like a war game, right? You yeah. know, like there's some kind of like procedural bot that like generates the opponent's moves or something like that. But like a role-playing game, you would think would be very difficult to play by yourself. And right. it certainly defeated me back in the day, trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> but it's interesting, because I think there have been some real d- strides made in recent years in that direction, even before the pandemic. And so one of those is developing this sort of Oracle system, where exactly. it's like you, you play the game From the perspective of a character, but uh, you know, anytime there's like a decision point, you roll on some tables that will tell you like what's pushing back against your character, right? Right. And the the first, my first encounter with that was maybe about eight or, eight or so years ago, eight or 10 years ago with this thing called the Mythic Game Master Emulator. Yeah. And as far as I know, this is the first of its kind. There have been other products since then that have used the same approach, which is you have these charts in the book that you consult whenever there's a question of what's going to happen. And you roll on the chart and then it gives you this kind of vague answer that you then interpret in the context of what's going on in the narrative, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the Mythic Game Master emulator, that's system agnostic. You can use that with any RPG system. Wow. Then you have games like Iron Sworn, right and and then the strider mode for the one ring which i believe was written by the same person yes and which you have some more familiar (laughs) you have some more familiarity with so i can kick it over to you if you want to talk about that
0: oh yeah definitely yeah when it comes to uh, like specifically the oracle or just yeah so the oracle there's two different ways that it works in the one ring so The first way that it works is a binary question, yes or no. And you are rolling a die and you're determining the odds that the, well, okay. So first of all, you are asking yourself a question where the positive outcome is yes. So you're going down a dungeon. Is there a light source nearby? The positive answer would be yes then you set your difficulty you set your own difficulty on how likely the answer is yes if it's middling if it's likely if it's unlikely if it's impossible that kind of thing and then you roll a die and based on your based on your likelihood of the answer being in the affirmative the die roll is could be higher or lower if it's very likely your die roll is very likely to succeed so that's the way that you answer yes or no questions in the one ring the second way is open ended questions such as what is the enemy what is my enemy doing to prevent me from passing this thing and there's a ton, in the one ring there's 12 tables and each table has six results on it and <laughs> and three columns on each table. And every one is an action, an aspect, and a focus. So you can roll basically as many die as you want. You're rolling a D12 and a D6 every time to get to generate a word. And you're generating somewhere between one and three words. And once you get those three words, or one and three words, you can interpret The result of those die rolls in the context of the question that you have. So, for example, you might, let me see here, I actually have the PDF open. So, for example, on the lower table here, you might be, our question was, What is my enemy doing to prevent me from crossing this place? You might roll, you know, betray defense. So perhaps, and then you take those words that you've generated and you interpret them into the context of the situation. So betray defense, maybe something has exploited a weakness of yours or something like that. And it, which is actually quite a bit of fun generating those answers because you really are stretching your imagination and trying to, you're really trying to work out like, how do I make this fit? What does that mean? And man, it uh, to me, I, and I'll go into it a bit later. But man, solo role playing has, I think, made me a better game master because of things like that and interpreting these kinds of. I mean, it's called the oracle for the reason for a reason. You know, this is basically like reading tarot cards or throwing runes. You're really just interpreting all these kinds of words and symbols and meanings into a totally new context. And man, it it, it unlocks something in your mind.
1: Mm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. It's like you have to, it's this fine line. You have to walk between specificity and like leaving things open, right? And it is kind of like divination in that sense, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I think just in terms of like surveying what's out there. So you got the Iron Sworn system or the Mythic GM emulator system. Then you've got the choose your own adventure style gaming, Mm -hmm. like with Call of Cthulhu. Like if you're you're a D&D player, you can go on DMs Guild and you can find solo D&D games. Modules out there like, yeah, there's this one group in particular where they call it 5e solo game books. And Mm. they've got quite a few. I haven't actually played through any, but I'm just looking at it right now. And there's a ton to choose from. Quite a few. Also something called the Solo Adventurer's Toolbox. So lots of options there for playing D&D solo. And then like in the realm of like more experimental story games and that kind of thing, there's some interesting work being done there as well. The, The one that I'm aware of and somewhat familiar with, although I haven't played it, is Thousand-Year-Old Vampire. I don't know if you're familiar with that one at all.
0: Yeah, I want to play that so bad. I may have it. I may have it somewhere.
1: Nice uh wow that would be cool yeah because that's one of those ones that's one of those like sort of boutique games right where it's like the game itself is part of the experience like the actual physical book because it's like basically you're creating a diary of this thousand-year-old vampire and and what his memories are what their memories are from their thousand-year existence and so by the time you're done you've filled in all these pages in the book itself you've written in the book and mm-hmm. so then you the book becomes the artifact. It becomes the diary of this thousand year old vampire,
0: yeah. And there was a guy. I think it went viral on Twitter. There was a guy he was a digital illustrator, and he had created these incredible illustrations of all of his journal entries for thousand year old vampire. And they were so they were really cool. I'll try to find yeah. I'll try to find him and link him in the show notes, which, I know if you're listening to Spotify, the show notes aren't doing much for you because you can't, I don't think you can click a link in Spotify, but I'm working on compiling all the show notes and we're going to put them up somewhere, maybe in the Discord or we're going to get a website going soon, I think. So that's what, come find us on there and you can see all the show notes. Where do we go after this? What's the next step on this train of lonely fun? (laughs) Yeah,
1: So I think that kind of brings up the logical question of the why. Why are you right. why are you engaging in solo RPGs? Like for yourself, Kenny, you are playing one ring strider mode on your Twitch stream currently, mm-hmm. right? And so this is something that you are sharing with people. So it's ironic, yes. right? It's like you're doing this yeah. lonely fun activity, <laughs> but for an audience. And like, you know, who are being very receptive to what you're doing. Like, you're getting a lot of really positive feedback. People are like, I love this shit. I know. (laughs) Like folks who just really, really (laughs) are into it. And it's interesting, too, because one of the perennial debates, if you're into RPGs, is the question of are role playing games story generating activities, right? Are you telling Mm. a story when you play a role playing game? And some people will say, absolutely, absolutely you are. And other people will say, no, you're not telling a story. You might have a a story in retrospect after the fact, but that's not really a story either. That's just a narrative of a memory of something that happened, right? And if you're trying to force a story out of your RPG, you're doing it wrong. Whereas other people will say, ah, yes, but, you know, you shouldn't try to force a story, certainly. But you can design mechanics or you can set up a game in a way that's going to create... The feeling of it being a story, like you're going to have narrative beats, you're going to have highs and lows and resonances and dramatic ironies and all this other kind of stuff that's going to come about, not by chance, but by a combination of how the game is designed and how the, how it's meant to be played.
0: Right. Uh, this is blowing okay. my mind, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, maybe this is another episode. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but...
1: but... <laughs> I'm saying all that to say that when you take a role playing game and you put it into a solo context, you're actually changing the dynamic quite a bit because you're taking it much more explicitly into the realm of story generation. Because I see you doing that when you're playing Strider Mode. Like, you're writing your journal as you're going along. And I think that's that's the overall thing, is how to say, you can play a solo role-playing game just to have the experience. You can sit down and play Strider Mode and just have a little sheet of paper next to you to make little notes to yourself as you're playing, and then you're done, and that's it. But I really think, like with Thousand-Year-Old Vampire, like... The solo RPG experience is greatly enhanced if you can create some kind of a record, some kind Mm -hmm. of artifact, you know, that you can then go back to later on and look at, especially because I think solo RPGs really do lend themselves to a much more narrative experience because you don't really have to worry about spotlight time and is everybody Mm -hmm. having fun? It's just you. You're the only one you have to worry about. So, (laughs) you know, you can get as wankery as you like (laughs) with the story elements, you know. True. And then I would even say if there are any uh, fiction writers out there, folks who who like to dabble in fiction, it might be an interesting way to just brainstorm some ideas. You know, if you have a character idea, you have a setting idea, but you don't really know what you want to do with the plot. I don't know. Maybe mess around with, uh, with some kind of emulator, some kind of GM emulator, play through it. Just see where that takes you. It's not going to give you, like, something that's ready to just go straight onto the page. But it'll at least give you, like, a loose plot structure that you can then adapt into fiction, you know.
0: And, yeah, and I would add, that's that's what was what we started getting at to in today's stream. Um, mm-hmm. was There were certain moments where I was like, nope, I'm taking narrative control over here, you know. And mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. GM. And putting these concrete answers into what's going on because i think that's what's going to be dramatic that's what's going to be interesting in addition it is Mm -hmm. great to have things like the oracle or the gm emulators because they can take you down unexpected paths places where you didn't expect to go uh, uh people you didn't expect to meet they it really is surprising playing through a solo role-playing game because you really don't have any idea what is about to happen and you're trying to make sense of everything and you start building this really incredible for me i start building this really incredible story and i even said in today's stream like this is turning out to be so cool i might actually just write it down and turn it into a module and put it on drive-thru or something
1: yeah i mean here i am talking about fiction that's you know Actually, you could also use it to generate a scenario. Absolutely, like right. solo game experience is sort of the pilot program of this scenario. So yeah, I think that's a really good use of, of solo gaming, which isn't to say if you don't do that, you're wasting your time.
0: You know, right, no. Not at all, right. In fact, you know. when, I started, when I started playing Strider Mode, I was just doing it. And did. Well, I guess this gets into the how, I think. So we've talked about the the history of it a little bit, which I love doing that. And then we talked about the why do we do it a little bit. And now we're getting into the how. And the how was an interesting nut for me to crack because before, before Strider mode, I had never successfully attempted solo role playing. And I think I tried it once before with Iron Forge because there's a ton – or Iron Sworn. Excuse me. There's Iron – yeah. Yeah, Iron Sworn and then they have Star Forge, which is the space Ah. sci-fi one. But yeah, with Iron Sworn, there's a ton of online aids that you can use to – uh, help tell your story and journal things and all these kinds of stuff one of them i believe is called the auger they're on twitter also they're always updating stuff for it it's really cool but when i started playing the one ring dude i was like <laughs> i was like dr manhattan just like sitting in my living room like with my eyes closed being like i'm going on this trip to middle earth dude like <laughs> you know Right. And uh, and uh, I had no idea like how to do this or what I was doing. And it took me a minute and, and, and I started getting on stuff and just making these really broad, loose sketches of what was happening in my mind, you know? And then I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to do this. Like for me to be able to make this interesting and engaging for me, I need to one, have everything like, condensed like a monit like my one monitor with a bunch of pdfs on it and one monitor that has all my gaming stuff on it like digital dice spaces for notes and a map and all that stuff because having it at all the table is overwhelming for me. But once I started once I sat down and started doing that and I realized very quickly that the the best way for me to engage with a solo role playing game is to create journal entries in the from the perspective of my character, so my character, I'm typing out everything that's happening to me. Like, oh, I met Gandalf at the Prancing Pony, he sent me to this thing, blah 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 blah. So like, I and I, I date everything, I mark the location, I mark the time of day, and now I'm only like four or five sessions in to my Strider mode role playing game uh, solo stuff, but. I am over I'm I'm like a month in to you know in my in-game world. I'm a month in. I've already completed my first adventure. I'm about to start my second one, which is way more daunting. And I've created this, I, and I have this awesome journal of all of these interesting things that happened to me that I didn't expect. And it's quite a bit of fun. So that's my how is is sitting down on my computer and and to back up even a little bit further. So the first time I started playing The One Ring, I was just, like I said, like manifesting it like Doctor Strange in my living room. And <laughs> and then the second time I sat down on my computer and I was like, nope, I'm still having a lot of fun doing this. and And then I realized, oh, it would actually be quite fun to stream this and just have people to bounce ideas off of. And I don't know, maybe not like validation, but like lonely fun with friends you know like uh, i can sit here and tell this story and have cool stuff and i'm a streamer i you know sometimes so i might as well stream it and see how people are liking it and people like you said people are having a lot of fun watching it and liking the twists and turns that the story is going down and it's always fun
1: yeah for sure and it it, you know you don't have to have a twitch stream to do this (laughs) you know like if you're yeah if you're writing things down, you can just circulate it amongst your friends, you know, just right. write it, oh, totally. send it out or write up a script. If you've got a mic and a recording platform of your choice, just uh-huh. do a little, I don't know, audio book, so to speak, you know, a little Dude, podcast.
0: Or that was my initial thought. Actually, I was like, all right, if I don't stream this, I'm going to try to do like an audio drama or something and see yeah, where yeah. it goes, but we'll see what happens. But in that, like having lonely fun with friends, sharing it around and stuff like that, it would be, imagine how cool it would be if you had four people doing Strider Mode or whatever role-playing universe or whatever fictional universe we want to be in. But everybody's doing Strider Mode and you're all in the in this shared world just adventuring by yourselves in different corners of the map and sending each other letters. Like somebody's like, hey, I'm going to keep track of the date. Like every week is a month in game or something like that. And mm-hmm. you get an email thread going of players like sending correspondences like, "Oh, it's me from the north again." You know, this week I encountered some trolls, and I found a precious artifact. Does anybody know what this is? And and having that kind of shared universe kind of thing going on would just be a lot of. It's like a what was that? A West Marches campaign, but solo.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny because this is a perfect example of how everything comes around again eventually because this is something that was a big part of the hobby when I was first getting into it Mm -hmm. that has since pretty much disappeared. It might still be out there in some kind of vestigial way, but it was play-by-mail, play-by-mail gaming. Yeah. And this was a thing. I would see ads for it in game magazines and stuff. And what you would do is you would just sign up and they would send you a packet and it was a subscription service you would pay to be involved in this M game, as they called them. And basically one person or a team of people would be running it and they would just get, it was like monthly. I mean, was, this, was, this was the sort of thing where it's like, you could get into a PBM game and play it for like the next eight years of your life or something. <laughs> because you would get this packet of information telling you what's going on from the perspective of your character or the, well, oftentimes it was like a nation level game. Like you might be playing the king of a nation Mm. or something. So it was kind of a hybrid of an RPG and a war game in that sense, but you would get this information packet every month that would tell you, here's what's going on and be from your perspective. So there'd be things you weren't aware of that were happening. And, uh, And you would just fill out the answers to questions and you would say like, well, here's what I'm, here's my order, here's what's gonna, here's what I want to happen. And then you would send that back in and they'd run that through the process and, you know, they'd have their own sort of engine behind the scenes that was like determining outcomes of things, you know? Yeah, it was wild. It was one of those things where it was like, as a sort of self-taught gamer, I was sort of told myself like, well, maybe I'll get into this one day. And then it just so happened that I was getting into the hobby during, as it turned out, the sunset years of that particular form of playing. But, you know, it did carry on through play by email. I actually was in a couple of play by email role playing games in the early 2000s which was wow. horrendous. uh <laughs> <laughs> because it just it even by email it took forever and then all, and also yeah. inevitably there'd be like the two guys in the group who worked some kind of job where they're just at their computers all day. So they would just be like doing their whole bit and then you would come home and check your email. There'd be like 85 messages Uh, to get caught up on and they've advanced the narrative and you're just still like, I'm still back at the camp. (laughs) 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 So um, that never worked too well in my experience. But there was play by email, play by post was another one. It's a message board system. um so you could very much do like a hybrid of that you could bring back that idea of doing like a play-by-mail game through a digital medium basically what you're describing where it's like everybody independently doing some kind of solo rpg thing but then sending in reports to some kind of central hub the one gm or whoever is running it who then collates everything and then lets them know oh, here's, there's gonna be like periodic like updates of like, here's what's going on in the wider mm-hmm. world or hit you. <laughs> like the wildest bit would be if two of the independent solo games cross paths, right?
0: Right. <laughs> which, you, which you can actually do. They mentioned that in Strider mode and the One Ring is that mm. you can, it's not only solo, you can play co op, which I think would be a ton of fun. I, we'll see. I would love to give that a shot. So we'll see. Maybe one day something like that will happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. But moving on from role-playing games, because you mentioned like a cross between, well, you mentioned war games a moment ago. So I want to talk about solo war gaming because this is also something that you and I have experience with doing. In fact, you played a solo game of Chain of Command that is available to watch on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash gatecrasherpod. And what was that like? What was that like for you?
1: It was fun. I actually played two games of Chain of Command solo. The first one I played was using a system that somebody developed specifically for solo gaming. And it is this kind of like procedural AI that will determine outcomes or generate reactions, deployments on the table and so forth of the opposing force. So you're really just playing your chosen side and then, but you're also like moving miniatures around for the other side, but according to what the, what the AI is telling you, basically. So I did that one first and then I did a second one. And this is the one that actually got filmed and edited and uploaded where I just played both sides, I just played <laughs> against myself and just basically switched my hats out. So right. It was, side a i would do everything that was best for side a and then once i mm-hmm. went over side b i I'd try. i wasn't trying to like push one side winning over the other you know
0: right you're not trying to for you're not trying to create a narrative you're seeing Correct. what's happening yeah
1: yeah as it's playing now of course the argument there is well there's still going to be some bias so there's going to be some unconscious bias there maybe you're re- for the one side to win over the other or you're just not you're not as into playing the one side as you are the other side or whatever mm-hmm. it may be so I'm not necessarily saying like these systems that are out there that exist for playing against yourself and against an AI are bad I just think that particular system I there were a lot of like hoops I had to jump through the system requires you to you're drawing cards and there's you've separated your cards into different decks and then you right. you're doing that and I just I felt like it wasn't really giving me the authentic chain of command experience, which is playing that that system's very specific and like the kind of experience it gives you. So I really wanted to then just play like a regular game, so to speak. But if you don't care as much about that and you're just more like, you know, hey, I'm just using this system to like resolve this game and I don't really care that it's not giving me the experience that, that I was looking for out of the system itself, then yeah, I'd say knock yourself out. And there are even games out there that are specifically designed for solo gaming or with solo gaming in mind, I should say. So mm. in the world of World War II historical rules, there's a game called Nuts, which which even if you're playing against a live opponent, has a mechanic built into it where you're, there's this, it's called the chain reaction system because you might do one thing and then that will create a reaction on your opponent's side, which then create a reaction on your side. So it's like boom, mm. boom, 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 you know. So obviously that lends itself very well to solo gaming and there's YouTube channel. I think there's a YouTube channel out there that's specifically like this guy just does solo games of nuts on films, <laughs> them and, you know,
0: <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm sure there must be options for that, like for uh, Games Workshop games as well, or just generic engines to do that, you know.
0: Right. So, so there's actually if you if you play Age of Sigmar like me, mm-hmm. it, you could probably go back and find White White Dwarf the Games Workshop magazine, White Dwarf issue number 458 that has yeah. solo rules for playing Age of Sigmar, which are actually quite satisfying. I've played it once or twice during lockdown. It came out of course in 2020. And yeah, it, yeah, it was really interesting to see how it played. It was not, from what I remember, it's not like a 2,000 point, you don't have 2,000 points on both sides or whatever. It was just like a handful of units here and there, and then you would go through and the magazine had basically these big tables that told you what to do and who your enemy attacked and what they did, and it all depended on how close you were or how far away your enemy was and all Mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They Mm -hmm. also have solo rules for Warcry, the skirmish level game. And I played a couple skirmish games for Warcry as well. And I actually filmed one, but I never edited it. (laughs) Intended on throwing (laughs) it together and throwing it on YouTube, but I hate video editing. I can't do it. So it's tough. It's tough. I'll I'll just pass you the footage, David. You don't have enough to do. (laughs) <laughs> Your copious free time. But yeah, I still have all the footage, but I have no idea what's going on in it anymore. But yeah, it was quite a bit of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. But it does, like you say, you have to, I don't know. It's hard just being like, oh, I got to create a 400-point warband that comes out of here and that comes out of here. And you, there's a lot of extra steps, you know? So for me, yeah. or, if you're, or if you're somebody like me where like you have a lot of mental strain all the time... It, it sometimes solo wargaming is really daunting for me it's much harder than solo role-playing in my experience
1: yeah i agree and that was my experience with the chain of command game was uh, the sol- solo solo wargaming in general prepare to take about at least twice as long to play a game as yeah. normal and since most <laughs> wargames are going to take two to three hours you're going to be spending what i did is i ended up Taking like an entire weekend just in the evenings between the two games. I think it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, like over that weekend. But that's because I played two games. But I think if I had just even just played the one, it probably would have taken me a couple of nights. And it was lengthened even more by the fact that I was also filming everything by myself. So I had to constantly like running back and forth to get a shot or set up a shot, <laughs> make a note to myself of what's going on here so that I can later on write the script for the narration. So that It was very much a proof of concept experience. It was very much like a, let's just see what happens if I do this kind of thing. And it was fun. It was definitely fun. And I'm proud of the video that, that resulted from it. But I think in the future, yeah, when we do like video battle reports, it'll definitely be in a group environment where maybe we can even... <laughs> hook somebody into running the camera for us and yeah so we can just concentrate on playing the game and all that kind of stuff that being said i think if you're solo wargaming you should definitely like at least take some photos and yeah. and like with solo rpgs do a little write-up afterwards even if it's just for your own records mm-hmm. just even if it's just a quick like bullet point thing like here's what happened a b c d use the events as they occurred or just get really fancy and write a whole narrative
0: there you go and, yeah oh totally yeah. man i mean That was my whole Warcry concept was an elite band of soldiers from a fallen city from Anvilguard. We're trying to escape the city and and accomplish this great quest. Of course, like I said, I only got one game into it because it got really (laughs) daunting and (laughs) I scatter around a lot. But yeah, it was still a lot of fun. And even though I only got one game out of it, I still have this big narrative in my head of these named characters and what they're trying to do and the environment that they live in and it's really cool and I can always revisit it and I have a whole army based on that theme (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it it would be very much something that I could take and put into an open play game or something like that would be a lot of fun and Yeah, like you said, I forged a big narrative and it's cool to talk about and people like hearing about it, too. If you've got friends that are war gamers or even if they just like they don't have time or energy or a desire really to play the games, they still might really be interested in your stories.
1: Yeah, for sure. And to get back to something I said at the top of all this, I think a lot of times people are solo gaming because they can't either can't find a group or the game they're interested in is something that only they're interested in. This is a great way to share your hobby with folks who might not otherwise be like, I mean, like, that's cool and all, but I'm not going to like come and spend three hours playing a game, dude, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Right. But they might still be like, well, yeah, that's I love reading your updates of what's going on with your your ranger of the north or like how your campaign's going in, you know, 1809 Spain or something like that. Right. Right.
0: Uh, I was just going to say loves a good narrative. Yeah, yes. I was just going to say, too, our, I would love to get like a solo war game thing going for like our American War for Independence stuff. Something like that would be really cool. And if you're into solo experience wargaming, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Rangers of Shadow Deep, mm-hmm. which is a, a another miniature agnostic war game that you can grow very inexpensive. You can use whatever models or tokens, Legos, whatever you got and get something on the table. And it's a lot of fun there's these big narratives so you don't really have to worry about creating your own story, you're playing through a story with a bunch of different pathways and you might find the sword here, you might not Mm -hmm. you might get away from the town in time, you might not and the game just continues to go so it's a lot of fun if you're looking to dip your toe into solo war gaming, I really recommend it and if you want to try it with a friend, it is also a big co-op mode too so very easy to do and a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that was like the number one seller on drive-through RPG for a long time, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. A couple of years ago, obviously, people were using that for their miniatures gaming fix.
0: Uh, yeah, you know? it's... And I can, I vouch for it. I played through, I played through a bit of it. I didn't play through all of it, but I do know that they released a second edition with a big FAQ in it and updated things and this and that. And apparently, it, apparently it plays like a dream. So I'm excited to give that another shot someday. Man, who knows? Maybe that's my AWI experience while I'm just sitting here alone.
1: As the gods continue to mock us. Um, well, and that same author wrote Silver Bayonet, which is right. a, a supernatural Napoleonics game, if that makes any sense. true. true. And the Polionics monster hunting game. And I have yet to crack that book open, but I would imagine that you could solo game the hell out of that as well. Because it's the same yeah. kind of scale
0: right yeah and the um, it actually would probably be better and or you could use it for whatever period you wanted really so having yeah, my yeah. queen's rangers fighting a bunch of vampires sounds a lot like a lot of fun thing is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah maybe that's a good thing to and yeah the, all the monsters are operated off ai so so yeah, yeah there's exactly. no reason for you to not just get all your crap out that you spent a bunch of paint time building and painting and a bunch of money buying and get it on the table and just play a game. And it's cool to, what I like about all this though, we talked about like creating uh, like records, even just for yourself. It's cool Mm -hmm. to play through these and have these kind of procedurally generated events occur, like a monster coming in to attack a certain unit next to a building or something like that. And you get these really organic photo opportunities where you're like, oh, I may not, I probably wouldn't have, thought to set my monsters and models up like this but now they're here and it looks really cool and i know what's going on and i'm gonna just take a quick picture and it it looks cool you know (laughs) throw it up Mm -hmm. on twitter throw it on instagram and you'll get a bunch of likes Mm -hmm. and everyone will celebrate
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think speaking of play-by-mail games earlier that was maybe like a golden age of solo gaming at one time but i feel like it's maybe coming back around in a lot mm-hmm. of ways where there's just there's so many more options if we had done this episode even 10 years ago or five years ago maybe i don't know we wouldn't have had as much to say there just wasn't as much out there for rpgs or managers games so definitely it's pretty cool but i just yeah. want to share this bit from the the wikipedia entry on play by mail gaming because this is just this is too amazing not to share <laughs> it says um jim Townsend noted in 1990 that hundreds of pbm games were available hundreds were available oh. ranging from quote all science fiction and fantasy themes to such exotics as war simulations generally more complex world war games than those which wargamers play dueling games humorous games sports simulations etc play-by-mail games also provide a wide array of possible roles to play these include quote trader fighter explorer and diplomat Roles range from pirates to space characters to, quote, previously unknown creatures. Oh, in the game Monster Island, players assume the role of a monster which explores a massive island. And the hmm. title of the PBM game, You're an Amoeba, Go!, indicates the <laughs> unusual role as players struggle in a 3D pool of primordial ooze directing the evolution of a legion of microorganisms.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Except that you would find on Itch today, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) You really would.
1: Yeah, everything new is old, man. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I think that probably does it for today. I don't know. Did we we miss anything?
1: No, I don't think so. And I think this entire episode was, how do you get into this? And that's maybe just the final note is like, Maybe the best thing about solo gaming is there are no gatekeepers to get past. you just get into it and you do it and you can do it however you want,
0: which is pretty cool. It is. You are the master of your, you're the keeper of your own gate and the crasher of it with solo role playing. Find a way to crash it down. Find a way to, to, to how it works for you, whether it's writing down in a journal or sending little emails to a friend who's in doesn't want to play but likes reading about it you can do all kinds of stuff so i hope you do and if you want to come by and share your role-playing experiences with us find us on twitter at GateCrasherPod. pod and there you can find our link tree which got a discord invite come hang out we're always talking about cool stuff in the discord with a great little community that is very interested in different kinds of games and people who enjoy talking about the episodes. And we always continue the discussion over there. It's a lot of fun.
1: It is indeed. Yeah, we've already got a nice little community going. So the more the merrier. That's right.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys found some value out of this. And yeah, join us next time when (laughs) we talk about the X card and RPG safety tools. Yes. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Listen, I can't wait to talk about that. That's great. I know. That that's gonna be a good episode. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Well thank you.